Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Trimbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I'm excited to talk to class of 2011's Gunnar Stern, champion snowmobile racer on the USSA Pro Star Circuit. Gunnar will share with us how the meticulous and unrelenting preparation prior to each race of 220 Stern Racing prepares him for success. If you want to follow Gunner and 220 Stern Racing, you can find links on the episode page or search 220 Stern Racing on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Joining us from the class of 2011 is Gunner Stern. Gunner, tell us what you do. Hey man, yeah. Uh, like you said, my name is Gunnar Stern, and uh, I'm a professional ice oval snowmobile racer. So uh, basically, I get to travel across the uh, northern part of uh, North America and uh, race my, my sleds with uh, with my team that I've uh, accumulated. And uh, and the days I'm not racing, I'm either uh, training or working on sleds in the race shop. And then if I'm not doing any of those things racing related, I'm uh, helping out the uh, the family business uh, with a concrete construction business. So when did you get started on a sled? Um, pretty early. Um, I first started racing when I was five. Uh, so I've been doing it pretty much my whole life. Um, and I've done it ever since then. I've done it every winter since I was five. But the first time I think I was on a sled was probably that first winter after I was born. So I was born in April. So my parents had me on a sled with them when they were trail riding, uh, that next December. So, um, I've been doing it for a super long time and, uh, it's, uh, it's been quite the journey over the years, you know, just going through the ranks of, of racing juniors and, uh, you know, racing with the kids group and then going up through, uh, the junior, uh, junior classes, going into the semi-professional classes and then making my way into the, the professional class now, which I've been racing at for, uh, I think, uh, just around 10 years now. So when, when does the racing for juniors start? It's uh, it's, it, there's a couple different, um, junior, uh, associations that we race with. So there's a kid's group that I started with that is ages, uh, five to right around 12 ish. And those are on smaller snowmobiles. They're the kitty cats and the 120 CC snowmobiles. So I started that, you know, when I was five and, um, I was doing that all the way up until I was, like 12 and then I made the transition into the uh this with the series I race today the USSA series that races on um more full size snowmobiles and um they have their uh their uh ranking of uh classes from you know uh, bigger junior classes and going into the uh, semi professional and professional classes 
just because I because I don't know, I'm just going to ask a clarifying question. So when you're talking about classes, do they is there a power that is less when you're when so when you're making the leap to that next class, are you talking you saying you're on that, that type of sled, but does it have the same engine power as what you are doing today? Like, have you always been on the same type of sled in terms of what it, it's it's capable of doing? Um, no, typically the, the higher or the older you get and the higher the class is, um, the faster the sleds are. And that comes from a couple of different, um, factors. It's, um, either the engine size is faster or it's on a, um, modified chassis. So a chassis that's more custom built for oval racing. And then there's different, um, structures within like the professional uh, division. There is like a stock-based class that I also race along with the uh, modified class that we call um, the champ class. So I race two classes now. I race the uh, the F3 class, which is a stock snowmobile, more or less. You start with a stock snowmobile, and then I also race the uh, the champ 440 or pro champ class that is more on a custom-built modified chassis with a 440cc engine. When did you start getting knowing that you were getting good at this and like where the competition was starting to maybe melt away? Like when did you how did you know that you were starting to kind of take leaps where other people weren't able to do that? I think it I think uh, racing through the kids group, I think we were we did pretty well, especially with uh, with the team wise and you know the, the equipment that we brought to the track. I mean, a lot of it you know, is you know, equipment based on, you know, the work that you put into your sled during the week. And I think that um, having, you know, putting that effort in as a, as a kid, and especially with like, the effort my, my parents put into that, um, along with, uh, you know, the effort I was putting in that. I was wondering if you could maybe describe like what are all the various different components to the team uh, that you have. So it's like, uh, it's Stern 220 uh, racing. I was wondering if you can kind of tell me about all the, the people that are involved with the effort. Yeah, it's a, it's a big crew. Um, and it, it depends on um, the, the race they were at. You know, a lot of my team is uh, family, friends, and just guys that have been, that have been re- helping me out for years, you know, that have become, you know, uh, just, just really great friends of mine now. Um, so, but, the, you know, the main core of our team is myself, uh, my dad, that is a, uh, me and him do most of the, the wrenching on the sled during the week. And then when it comes to the, the race weekends, we have um, oh, some other guys that come and help out that are, um, they've been helping me with racing since I was, you know, some of them since I was uh, you know, five and six, they've been helping out for that long. So uh, uh, on any given weekend, we could have anywhere from, you know, four or five guys helping out to, um, you know, more, <laughs> if it's a closer, closer race, you know, like some of the Wisconsin based races, more people can travel to those ones a little bit easier. And then, you know, uh, my sister and, and, uh, her, uh, my brother-in-laws, they, they show up and they help out quite a bit. And then, um, you know, a bunch of buddies of mine that have been helping me out for years show up. So it kind of varies, you know, who, who comes and who we get to help out, but, uh, there, we do have like a core of, of five, guys that, you know, come to the track. And then when we're at the track, we all have our different roles that kind of mesh well into, uh, you know, having, you know, success at the track and and, and working well together. When does the season start? It uh, starts in typically the first race is the first weekend in December. 
And then we're pretty much full tilt until right around uh, the first weekend of March. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple weekends off here and there in between um, there, but it's almost uh, almost every weekend we're, we're traveling to a, a different track and racing at. Sometimes we go to a track twice, sometimes once, you know, some are, some are obviously closer than others. You know, our closest ones uh, probably three, three hours away while our furthest ones uh, closer to like 16 to 18 hours. So quite a bit of wow. traveling in there. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it, it always seems to be uh, traveling in the, the worst possible conditions. Right. So <laughs> right. winter is not easy travel time. <laughs> yeah, because I, when I think about sports and traveling, so like, yeah, I, I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan. So like, well, if they take a flight, they come back to Chicago, practice, and then they fly out to San Francisco or they fly to New York or they have a, a home um, a home game and all that. So you're if you're traveling so much, do you ever just stay on the road and keep on traveling because it's just not conducive to come all the way back home to Hampshire or, uh, or, or, or after the race is done, do you pack up and then make the long uh, haul back to Illinois? Typically we always come back here unless there are back-to-back weekends. Um, we do have a place up in Northern Wisconsin, pretty, pretty central to a couple of the Wisconsin races. Uh, we, so we, we stay there sometimes if there's like two races back-to-back, like say one's in Eagle River and the next weekend we have one in Wausau, a couple of, couple hours away uh we will stay there but typically we like to bring the sleds back um back down here just to have the opportunity to work on them you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done during the week um but typically also when we go out east over to the eastern part of canada there's a couple races in a row that we'll just do a little swing we'll head out there to the the one in quebec and then we'll up another race on our way back west to a, another race in uh in ontario just north of toronto there so yeah we do we do spend uh sometimes a couple weeks on the road and you know working on the sleds in the trailer as we're traveling so tell me about the first major victory that you had on the circuit yeah that's a that's a good one that's uh probably uh, probably one of my my favorite memory honestly from uh, all the years um it was a year we were just starting to get on some pretty good equipment. Um, we brought on another guy that uh, used to race back in back in the day, and he's he's still helping us out today. And we were still just kind of getting the hang of uh, the new equipment that he was bringing with him. And you know, I was getting the race um, the sleds that he was building for us, and we were having some pretty decent finishes up until that point. I think I, our best was third, which was uh, you know pretty good. You know, anytime you get on a podium is 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 uh, pretty good, but. I think in this particular race, it was at Eagle River. It was uh, the Friday Night Thunder race for the so the the qualifier that wins this race gets to go to the pole on Sunday for the World Championship. And we were running, I think sixth or seventh uh, during that you know mid race and coming towards the last laps. And then um, red flag comes out, so the race is stopped and there's a restart. Um, from what I remember, the first couple guys jumped the start. So when that happens, they get uh, bumped to the back. So then I found myself restarting in third. And the, the next per, the next start, the f- person that uh, was started first, who was leading the whole race, his belt flipped right on the start line. So he, oh. Yeah, so he was done for the rest of the race. And I found myself getting the whole shot, 
going into the first turn and I come down the backstretch in, uh, in first place. And, uh, I just had to hold on for like three or four more laps, which I did. <laughs> and I still have the video from it from, uh, you know, from the broadcast. So it was, uh, I go back and I watch it and it's, uh, it gets me pumped up every time I've watched it. So yeah, it was definitely a, a big celebration after that. And, uh, Things kind of took off after that one, you know, but got, I got a lot of confidence after that. And then the next weekend, I won back to back on Saturday, Sunday, and we actually ended up winning our first championship that, that year, too. So, yeah, a lot of success kind of stems from from that first race there in Eagle River on Friday night. So, I mean, because I, I mean, my experience with um, I've, I've never raced anything before like the close the closest I think I've ever had to a race was a 5K at in Naperville and there was a guy who was running in a banana suit and I was like that guy's not going to beat me so I'm going to make sure that I run faster than that guy right so like so but you must have so much like so many things like physically intellectually and just psychologically where you have to spin so many plates to then figure out strategy when you're kind of making your way around uh the course how do you, what what goes through your mind when you have to make the next move in order to maybe pass the next person up like how do you gauge risk when you are doing something that is at an incredible speed and and, and is dangerous but you kind of need to do that in order to uh, maintain if not make your move what how do you how do you evaluate like risk when you're on on the course yeah you, i guess for me i try not to think about the risk factor of it all um Obviously, I, I know of the risks and everything that can happen if things turn south. Um, I think when you do start thinking about that, you're you're not really thinking about you know uh, the, your, your best available options at the time. Mm. When, I, when I'm thinking through a race, I'm trying not to think too far ahead. I try to think that a race in a race you should do a lot more reacting than trying to plan ahead. I think um, you you know a lot of your preparation is obviously before the race and, you know, getting, getting a good start and having a good handling sled to keep you out front. But, um, and I think you have to let the race kind of come to you. And I think for myself, I've been, I've been doing it for so long that, you know, I think things maybe at first, when I first started getting onto these, these sleds, things happened a lot faster because of the speeds are so quick. I think now things have just kind of slowed down just a tad bit more where I can react a little bit you know, have a better decision in my, in my reacting. And, um, I think, yeah, it's it, like you said, it's a race and you never really know what's going to happen. Um, things do even, to, even to today, you know, things happen quick, you know, you make a move that you didn't mean to, you, you might get, you get into somebody that you didn't mean to, or, uh, you know, you get on the throttle a little too quick. You, you spin the track out from underneath, out from underneath you. And then you're, you're going the wrong, <laughs> you're spinning around, going the wrong way. So, Things happen. You can't prepare for everything, but it's, uh, you know, the best you, you prepare, the best you can before the race. So you start stacking victories and when, how does the, you know, you, you've had such success, then you start getting attention from sponsors and how, how would you maybe put into a type of uh, comparison of how important it is to get a sponsor or someone as big as Red Bull uh, to be your sponsor. What's that whole process? How did they approach you and, and how do you take on sponsors and, and how do they help really kind of essentially fuel uh, your uh, success for uh, continuing to do what you love here? Yeah, it's, 
you know, sponsorships in, in motorsports is, you know, they go hand in hand. They, uh, it's not everything, you know, money doesn't, doesn't get you, it doesn't buy you the win, but it definitely, um, it definitely helps when, you know, you're trying to find that, you know, that advantage, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, buying uh, parts to you know, help uh, replace something that broke the weekend before, or, you know, getting a little bit more test time with your, with your motor on the dyno, you know, stuff like that, you know, that definitely helps with, with, you know, when you have a little bit more funding and sponsorships is a, you know, that's a, you know, easy way or, you know, a way to get that funding. And um, me, luckily, like you said, you know, the success kind of bred a little bit more opportunities for me um, with, uh, you know, some, some bigger brands that uh, have become, um, you know, synonymous with our team now. And um, with Red Bull, it kind of, uh, that kind of a funny story kind of happened by uh, some dumb luck. Um, My, my sister, um, she did some sampling for a, uh, pretzel company that she worked for. And she found her way into the, the Red Bull headquarters, downtown Chicago. And she just kind of threw my name out there. And this was when I was just starting to get into the professional level. And I kind of had, I had got a call with the athlete manager at that time. And he just, you know, gave me his, uh, his, his contact and, you know, just stay in contact with them, let them know how I'm doing. And, you know, that's right when I started to have a little bit more success and kind of I started to uh, grow that relationship with him and talk to him a little bit more. And he gave me some tips on, you know, to how to help market myself and, you know, make sure my social media game was, you know, um, on par with what they're looking for in an athlete. And um, I think it was that it was actually that first year or that first summer after I won my first championship, they, uh, they uh, asked me to be their, their next athlete. So that was a pretty cool moment with them. I mean, being a rebel athlete is, uh, you know, has, it's, uh, something I look back, you know, when I was younger, it's like everything I ever dreamed of, honestly, right. You know, being with rebel there, you know, every like, major motorsport athlete seems to, uh, you know, have, you know, their time with Red Bull and it has opened up a lot more doors for me, just, you know, being partnered with them and being part of the family and getting to do some cool projects along the way. I, you know, I've gotten to do, uh, some, some, some crazy stuff with them that I've only never probably could have dreamed of before. And, um, they're always trying to push me to, to be creative and, and, you know, thinking of, you know, the thinking of big goals. And, um, I just had a meeting with them, uh, last week about, you know, what's, what's the next thing, what's the next thing I want to accomplish. They're always, con- you know, constantly pushing me to, you know, be a better version of myself and, you know, you know, and they're always supportive and, of, of supporting, you know, what I want to accomplish, whether it's, uh, whether it's racing or whether it's personal or, you know, anything to help, you know, with, you know, with our relationship with, with them. So it's, uh, it's been a fun ride with them and, uh, you know, it's, uh, looking back on it. Um, I can't, uh, I can't really think of it going any other way. I, I love that, uh, that kind of serendipity of, you know, your sister just kind of walking in like, Hey, by the way, you know, this yeah. is, uh, this is what's going on. And then, and here you have this incredible corporate sponsorship, you know, that has just uh, been such a, as you said, reciprocal, like you help them and they help you in, in such significant ways. So maybe, you know, I just want to kind of come back to the whole concept of you as you, you also were a runner in high school and, and did you, do you also, did you run off in, in college as well? What did you study in college? And, and then when did you kind of make the switch back to, um, uh, to the sled? Yeah, so I did. I did run in uh, in high school um, well enough to uh, give me a scholarship at UIC. So I ran uh, cross country and track at uh, UIC Division One. So uh, that was uh, 
that was always hard because I was always racing, you know, in that same time period. So I kind of had to balance uh, the whole, you know, student life versus, you know, racing on the weekends and then throwing in track meets there. And, you know, most of the time, you know, the track and the scholarship kind of took priority over to racing. So um, that was a uh, an interesting time. To- wow, that's a lot of, wow, you must have had no time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my whole uh, growing up, I was I was pretty busy with, with sports. You know, I played hockey in high school too, and I was, I was in band, and it was never a dull moment for sure. I was always go, 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 uh, which, uh, you know, looking back, I wouldn't change it though. It's, you know, shaped me into who I am today. So, um, so yeah, it was uh, yes. that transfer going into, into uh, the racing again. It was... Uh, I was kind of finishing up with uh, college. I was I, I was um, teaching a history major, so I just finished up my student teaching that last fall, uh, and then I was like just eager, really eager to get back into racing. We just switched um, manufacturers in with racing, so we got a new sled. Uh, we switched from Polaris Siskadoo over the summer, and I was just like really excited to get back on the track and. Um, finished up college um to finish up my uh student teaching there and like that that last week and then i think i left that weekend to go to the first race in canada there so and then after that i just uh kind of just decided to myself like this is what i want to keep doing you know i was just having so much fun and uh and you know i was getting more successful i, I could see like our, myself and you know the team were we were getting better every weekend um so that like really kept on wanting to push me more to you know be better and and uh, I just you know kind of kept on going with uh, you know working with the uh, the family business and you know with with that you know I'm lucky enough to get the time off that I need to to go race and uh, yeah it's uh, <laughs> it hasn't, hasn't changed since I'm still racing now so <laughs> it's been this is such a unique sport where you have to be in control of the logistics of how well your sled is operating. And you, you've you said that there's so much that goes into repairing it and making it ready to go during the week. I, I was wondering if you can like, maybe, I don't know if it's like, if there's like a, a pie chart of like where your attention goes during the week, because there's so much that you have to think about, like the, the maintenance of the sled, then there's your like, body, you know, like how you have to kind of physically prepare, uh, for that. And, and then there's, you know, as you said, like there might not be necessarily a long-term like strategy while you're on the course, but like you have to think about the, where you are and, and, and maybe the, the temperature, the weather and all those things. I was wondering if you can maybe talk about how you, the preparation for a week all converges and all those parts come together. Yeah, like you said, it's a it's a lot of moving gears. It's uh yeah, it's a lot of stuff going on because you know you don't have to get just yourself ready. You have, in my case, I have I raced two different classes with with uh, four sleds total. So we got to get four sleds ready for any particular weekend. So it's uh, I like to try to think of it as you know who can balance the most out of everything with with your sleds, with travel time, with training with, you know, the amount of attention you have to give towards your sponsors and, you know, and all that and the, the social media and, you know, whoever balances that the best is, is usually going to win the most. But, you know, going back to kind of like that pie chart idea you had, the, the pie chart is probably going to be mostly 
that time you spend in the race shop working on the sleds. That's where I always like to say that the races are won. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, for many different factors of, of keeping your sled, um, you know, consistent with, you know, being able to finish the races, making it consistent with being fast, being able to handle well. I, you know, I think any of these teams can probably, you know, make their sled like the fastest sled, right? They can, they can do, make their sled the fastest. They can make their sled have the best hole shot. They can make it, you know, you know, um, be the, the most consistent, but the best teams do all those things and balance all those things together. Right. So you want to have like a pretty decent hole shot. You want to have a pretty decent, you know, pretty fast sled, you know, one that ha handles really extremely well also. So, that's, you know, where a lot of the attention is, is, you know, in some, some weeks, you know, you have to, you know, devote more time to, to the sled, you know, whether you crash the weekend before, or, you know, you, uh, you blow a piston or stuff like that, you know, and it's always kind of that balance act, you know, during the week. And then obviously, you know, when, when the race weekend comes and that's your time to, to show off and, you know, and all that hard work you did during the week to, you know, show it off on a track. Is it, in the maintenance of the sled during the week, is there anything, is, are most things fixable or is there anything like really catastrophic that can happen to an engine that can't be repaired during the week? Like, is there any, like, is there any concern like that can happen or are most things manageable, assuming that you can get the parts to fix it and, and whatnot? I think, I think they're really the only thing that could probably put you out of the next weekend would be a pretty gnarly crash i mean you'd have to pretty bend you know bend your sled up pretty bad in our case we have a backup so we always have you know that buffer of you know if we do get like send the sled into the bales and it's like the front end's all twisted up then i think uh you know we can always go that but a lot of these teams you know they don't have a backup and you know they're they're working on the sleds you know if if they do crash but if, if things happen to the motor you know typically the parts are available and you know that's you know goes back to you know working working during the week, you know, putting in, in that time to get that sled ready for the next, for the next week. Um, so yeah, it's, it kind of depends on, uh, you know, that's, that's another thing with the points championship is, you know, being there every weekend and being consistent. And you know, I think, uh, I think we do that well as a team. And I think that really goes back to just the amount of effort we put into, into the sleds during the week and, you know, the amount of effort we put into making sure we're, we're prepared for the whole season. <laughs> I was thinking about another complication in a race and, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a, a place of just kind of trying to, to understand this, but like you, you know, you, you can control, I mean, you, you've have thousands of hours racing. You have incredible experience understanding the, the, the intuition of how your sled works and all that. But then I was wondering, there's a, another uh, component, which is the actual surface that you're riding on is ice and snow but even then there are variations when the temperature is different how do you how do you make adjustments for that going into the race and and how do, are you able to read the terrain of the course when you're when you're racing yeah like you said the track is always changing and it kind of depends on the different venues that we race at you know some tracks tend to get a lot bumpier so you're making adjustments with your shock program and trying to, you know, counteract the bumps. Some tracks we go to just didn't make enough ice for that, you know, for that race. So we're getting down to the dirt and then, you know, the dirt 
if we do get down to the dirt, that takes a wear on your carbides and your studs, so you won't be able to turn as well. So you're always trying to think ahead of the game. You know, you're trying to think of looking, you're keeping your eye on the track. You're trying to watch the other the other classes that are running and how their sleds are handling, and you're trying to take that into you know into your decision of of your setup for for the next race. Uh, I think that's that's always important. You know, that's what also another you know aspect that differentiates you know the the great teams from the from the good teams is you know just trying to make those little adjustments of to your sleds because you know it's those little things that really you know set yourself apart you know if you, you stack up enough of those little things that's what puts you know you know you know uh thousands of a second off your lap time and all those little things you know adding up can can really uh you know differentiate you from your competitors so um yeah like you said it's uh it's it's a lot of moving moving parts you know it's during during the race you know that's why uh having a, you know, a great supporting cast behind me, you know, and my, my guys, it, it's, uh, we all have our own roles and we kind of, you know, we take it from a team aspect to uh, make sure we're hitting all, all the points you know, that goes into uh, being successful on a race weekend. Could you describe like the physicality of riding the sled at that velocity? Um, how much significant or what kind of dedication do you have to do to get your body ready for a race? So I'm, I go through a pretty, uh, I'm going to say strict, but it's a pretty involved uh, training program that I put myself through. Um, the first couple of years when I went through the, you know, started getting into the professional uh, series, I went and trained with a trainer. And since then, I've kind of gotten into, you know, seeing which exercises I can do and, you know, which, uh, which um, uh, training helps me the most on the race weekend. But uh Obviously, you know, the, the best part or the best way to train would be to ride, ride the sled every day. Right. You know, um, I think it's, uh, it is very physical. You wouldn't think so, <laughs> you know, riding, riding something that has a motor, um, you know, it's not like, you know, like running or riding a, a bicycle, but you know, the, the speeds and, and the G forces that we, we, we reach and trying to like, uh, ride a i don't know it's, i i guess you can picture it like a kind of like a bronco or like a bull right but these things all yeah. weigh like 400 pounds so the amount of uh, pressure that your body's going up against it takes its toll on you i mean the, we, our our races are typically 15 to 20 laps which in the long run seems short but the laps are that quick and they're they're considered a sprint race so the laps are that quick that it does take a toll on you pretty quick so um yeah, um, it is. It is. Uh, it's hard to to really know how to prepare yourself until you've done it and trying different um, ways to you know counteract you know, uh, to keep yourself ready and prepare yourself for a race. Um, the biggest thing with our discipline of racing is we're always turning left, right? So the left, your left arm takes most of the strength, and that can lead into something that that a lot of us you know experience is called arm pump so your arm pump is when you lose your grip strength in your arm because too much blood is circulating into the arm and not enough is circulating out so basically your arm goes like numb when that happens that's when things start to get kind of dangerous <laughs> so you know, yeah. <laughs> can just literally just rip right out of your hands without you you know even knowing it oh my goodness so, 
Yeah. You're right, because I mean, like, we weren't evolved to be going at whatever G-force in that circle at that velocity. So chances are, yeah, we, our body isn't going to be able to maintain the blood flow to that part of your arm. Right. <laughs> so it makes so much sense the way you describe it. That's that's hilarious. You answered uh, my other question, which was like, what is the race duration? So you said typically it's 15 laps, but then you said you you race two different sleds. So are both sleds in races similar in duration? Um, so our, yeah, the, the stock based class is usually a shorter class cause that's not the championship series. Um, and our champ, so that, that race is, or that class is typically, uh, five lap heats and seven lap finals. And then our, the championship series class, the, uh, the pro champ class that is, uh, seven lap heats and then a 15 or a 20 lap final, unless it's Eagle river, Eagle river does 25 lap finals. So, but you know, throughout the day we're doing heat races. So we're, we typically always do three or four heat races of seven laps. And then at the end of the day, we do, uh, the 15 or 20 lap final. So I'm on the track quite a bit. I mean, I think in any particular race in, or weekend, I'm, I'm probably doing you know, upwards of, you know, 60, 70, or, you know, almost a hundred laps if it's a longer Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, event. So I'm on the, I'm on the track quite a bit doing a lot of left turns. <laughs> I mean, because you've done both, uh, and and maybe only because you were just a, a scotch younger when you did this, uh, is the fatigue similar to training for cross country, or is it just kind of different beast altogether? It is kind of a different beast. I mean, it, it definitely you know you definitely need your endurance, but with with the racing thing, it's you don't get to prepare just for one race. Uh, it's kind of dragged out throughout the whole day in, in short little sprints. So you'll have, you know, you have your practice in the morning, which exerts some energy. And then you'll have your three heat races that are typically spaced out like throughout an hour in between each. And then at the end of the day, when you're at your most tired, that's when you have to do your most laps. So it is a, it's a long grueling day that, you know, with short little stints of going fast and then, and then getting your heart rate back down to normal, you know, in the trailer. And then once it gets back down to normal, you have to go back out and race again. So it's a, it's definitely a a weird uh, concept to, to train for, for training for something. It's kind of maybe more, if I would try to um, make it seem comparable to something, maybe like a marathon, but like a marathon where you, you run five miles as fast as you can and then take a little bit of break and then take, you know, running our five miles as fast as you can. So it's, uh, and then you pair that along with, you know, another two days of racing before and after that, you know, three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's, these are long weekends for sure. Um, the, the week, the weekdays are definitely recovery days for me. <laughs> I I can only imagine the intensity uh, of that. I mean, just in terms of like the speeds, what's the max velocity and speed that you get to when you're on uh, the sled? So our faster sleds, we uh, just right over 100, so 104, 105, so right around there. Is the and I'll I'll make sure I link um, video footage of the GoPro uh, video of you on the sled, and there's a moment where you're coming around to turn and it looks like it's mere nanometers, how close, you know, you are to the, 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 the edge and the, the, the bales of hay that are right there as you're around going around the corner. Do you, do you still experience adrenaline at all? Because I, I mean, it seems like you're so cool and collected where I'm watching this and I'm about to pass out watching and I'm not even there. Do you have, 
how are you able to kind of compartmentalize adrenaline and fear? I mean, obviously you've done this for, you know, at this point, you know, over to almost 20 years, I'm guessing. So you're, is it just because you've done it so much that you're able to kind of push that away? Or is there any time where you're able to, where it does kind of creep in at all? Yeah. I mean, typically the bigger races, like the world championship race, you get a little bit more butterflies. Um, and uh, yeah, I think for me, I don't know, something about just line going up, pulling up to the starting line, all that kind of dis- disappears. Honestly, it's, it's, huh. I don't really, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just always, I have a, you know, a lot of stuff that I have to focus on right before the race, make sure, you know, my, uh, my engagements are right and, and everything like that, you know, stuff that I'm working with the machine. So I, my, my mind is always focused on something. So maybe that just takes my mind off of, uh, you know, the, the nerves that I'm, I'm getting, but they're definitely there. I mean, my heart rate's definitely up. I know that. <laughs> and I definitely feel yeah. the I didn't, I didn't think about that way. You're right. It's true because you're like, you know, it's one thing to be a competitor, but you also have this machine that you have to make sure all the gauges and the, everything is, is, you have to manage that as well. So it's like, it's this weird balance of like being rational and irrational at the same time. Uh, it's to kind of be competitive. That's what makes it probably so uh, exciting. Um, What's the feel like with your other competitors that when you're racing with, is it like, are you guys not, not necessarily cutthroat or, you know, but like, is it like, is it kind of a brotherhood and sisterhood out there? Is everyone kind of looking out for each other or like, what's the feel of the community of other uh, racers? In a general sense, I think we're all, we're all pretty good friends. Um, you know, it's a pretty tight knit uh, group that you know, travels and races. And I think, uh, at the end of the day, you know, we can all, you know, be professional about everything and, you know, talk and, and have a, have a beer at the end of the day or at the end of the, at the end of the weekend. And, you know, just, you know, talk, uh, um, and, you know, not be like super, uh, you know, up in our, up in each other's faces, obviously stuff happens. And, um, yeah, there's a, I think you just have to uh, try and put that to the side and, and, uh, you know, just, you have to, uh, you know, just try to act professional about everything. Um, you know, that's what I try to keep my, you know, hang my hat on is, you know, what, you know, how, how can I be as professional as possible? You don't want to be going out there and making yourself look like a fool if you're just trying to, you know, just trying to get in somebody else's face and try to, uh, you know, um, distract them from their own race. And uh, I think uh, at the end of the day, though, I, uh, we're all pretty uh, professional to each other. What's the off season like then? So you said that it, you guys pretty much are wrapping up the season right now. So then like, what, what is it that you do to kind of prepare in the off months? You said that you go back and work at the family business. Like what's, what are the, the off months like? Yeah, the off months, um, they're definitely slower with the traveling, you know, don't have to travel as much, but, uh, we, uh, definitely devote a lot of time to preparing for the next year. So right now we're just kind of getting into, uh, some like setting some goals for next year with what we want to make, you know, for changes on the sleds. And, um, a lot of that work can't be done until, uh, like when fall comes around, cause that's when, uh, the manufacturers get us our sleds, but we could kind of, we get right now we're looking into what, uh, changes we want to make to make our sled faster. Um, sometimes at the end of the year, we have the, uh, the ability to go test, um, you know, after racing's done, if it's still, you know, the weather is still cooperating, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. I like to devote a lot of, uh, you know, the off season, especially through the summer months of, um, you know, focusing on the, the sponsorship end of everything and, 
you know, just kind of rekindling a lot of those relationships with a lot of the brands that I, rep I represent and kind of, uh, there's some events that I get to go to that are, that are kind of snowmobile based events. Like there's an event up in Minnesota that is like a snowmobile show that I get to go to and do some appearances. And then there's always, uh, there's always Red Bull events I get, get invited to, to, uh, you know, help with, with, uh, you know, with those guys. And, um, so it's, a yeah, it's, it's, it's always kind of a, it's kind of a year long thing, honestly, you know, but you, you know, it put as much as, uh, effort into you as you, as you, as you can, um, it was, uh, you know, a couple months ago, Tom Brady retired and then he unretired perhaps, right? So you have that, is there an age where you can, like, do you age out at some point for uh, competitive racing? Or, I mean, what 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 is the, um, I mean, is there a point where the body can't make those turns anymore? Like, what what is the 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 general longevity, I should say, of a, of a racer? Yeah, uh, I'm, right now, I'm probably one of the older racers. <laughs> and I'm 28, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it does seem to be like a, a younger guy's sport. Um, but I think. And I think that's only of recent right now. Um, I go back maybe 15, 20 years and there was guys still racing uh, in their, in their forties and fifties. And so um, I think maybe with, with the sleds that we're racing now, maybe involve a little bit more, uh, a little bit more uh, youth to them. Um, I definitely know uh, these past couple of years have definitely been harder <laughs> than the, when I was 21 and 22, just the, the recovery process is, takes a little bit longer now for sure. I've, I've definitely noticed that. So that's kind of changed up a lot of my, uh, my training and, and, you know, doing, doing stuff that I didn't have to do when I was younger. So, um, I, I guess, uh, I like to say, uh, I don't know. I always, people always ask me when, uh, when you're gonna, you know, retire and move on. And I always try to take it year by year. And I always tell myself, you know, when I'm not, when I'm not having fun anymore, that's, that's when I'm, that's when I'm done. Gunnar, I love ending the interviews with, uh, with my guests uh, to, to ask them like, what tips for success, uh, would you give current Wildcats? Oh, um, let's see, you know, for me, I think there's a, you know, twofold, two things. Um, just for me, I've always, you know, just be proud of, of who you are and where you come from. You know, I, I was always proud to, uh, you know, to, to come from, uh, from Wego. And, and I think, uh, um, you know, I've always, I was always proud to tell people I'm from there and, you know, the great support system they have there. And, um, especially, you know, from being, you know, with what I do, uh, a lot of the racers are, are, you know, from Wisconsin, Minnesota, where the races happen. I was always looked at as an outsider, but I never, I never looked at it like that was a bad thing. You know, being from Illinois, I was always, always the only racer from Illinois. So, um, that was one of my questions I didn't ask. That's so funny. I, I actually said, like, one of my questions was, like, you know, what was it like being from Illinois when there's, I would imagine there's so many people from Wisconsin and Minnesota and Michigan and, and obviously uh, Canada that probably like, who is this guy from the, yeah. I mean, are there any, how many other Illinois racers are there? There, in, the, in the history of the sport, there's been a couple, um, but right now a I'm, couple, yeah, <laughs> like two or three, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like you're the, you're the unicorn. This is amazing. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your your advice. I just yeah. it was funny. Well, to go a little bit more on that, you know, I always like you said, it's it's definitely a different feeling um, being from Illinois, and and I always I always like to tell myself I had to earn my fans the hard way. You know, I didn't get into the, of the local 
of the you know the local fans that cheer for me I always had to earn them the hard way by uh, you know as people that could see you know we were working hard and being successful but um yeah but the other thing I wanted to you know maybe it was a tip was just you know be confident in in everything you do I think a lot of my success is stems from just the confidence I have what did I bring to to the track and I think when you do something confidently you're just gonna be that much better at it and Obviously, that doesn't come from nothing, you know. That comes from from practice and and dedication to to whatever you want it to be. And you know, when you do have that confidence, it, it just makes it seem like you know you it, you know your your ability to do something this you know automatically just you know, increases that much more. Gunner, thank you so much for this interview. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This was fun. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search We Go Vox. That's We Go V-O-X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at We Go Places Podcast or on Twitter at We Go Places.